0: so good to see you all today I'm, i'm glad to be here i hope you did have a good thanksgiving i cooked the turkey this year and i didn't burn it yes success yes yes last year i completely destroyed the thing completely destroyed that turkey they gave me another shot and it was a success amen Alright, that was good. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. It it was really exciting to see all those boxes last week for Operation Christmas Child, all the turkeys that you guys have given. I I think it's amazing. You know, uh, one thing that we've been doing this year in, in July, I announced our Forward Faster campaign that we were trying to raise an additional 50,000 and we're close, we're we're closing on on about 13,000 more that we need so if you guys have made a pledge to that we encourage you to fulfill your pledge or or consider a year end uh, contribution or or just be generous this Christmas season, I think that'd be good, so we can finish that out, but another thing we did, we challenged people to not only give their treasures, their money, but to give their times and talents, to find ways to serve and to give back in our community because a a lot of ways here in the church or in the community, if you guys step up, we can make a bigger impact and we have seen that and And this week I had two staff people mention one person that had stepped up to serve when we gave that call like that week, that Sunday came up to me. Hey, I want to serve. And this person, um, you know, these two different staff members said, hey, I have noticed this person grow so much. So much more because they stepped up to serve. And that's an amazing thing is that a lot of us feel like I'm not mature enough. I'm not good enough of a Christian to serve. But it's actually when we serve, we start to grow, which is a cool thing. And that's what we've seen through not just this one person that stepped up to serve, but through a, a lot of different people in our church community. So thank you guys for volunteering your time and your talents as well as your treasures. So today we are in our series, Elijah Fire from Heaven. And we are in the fifth and final message in this series fifth and final message and if you're curious next week we're going to start a new series called God is not Santa Claus yeah it's going to be fun and it's good because a lot of us have this childish view of God and what I found out that sadly a lot of people reject God because they don't ever grow into a more mature view of God and that's what we're going to correct through this series because God is not Santa Claus and that's a great series that you can invite people to in December and also it's going to lead us up to our Christmas Eve celebration and we're celebrating that. We're going to have three services this year because we know that um, people are interested and we know you're going to invite your friends. So Saturday night, 630 and Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. So two Sunday morning services, just like normal. Those are our three services. So you can find one that works for your family. I hope you're interested. And in case you're wondering, we're going to finish our series on Elijah today in 2 Kings chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, get there. 2 Kings chapter 1. But actually, there's going to be another two times we're going to talk about Elijah starting in January because there's this other guy that I've mentioned called Elisha. Elisha, not Elijah. And Elisha was... Basically, the guy who learned from Elijah, took the torch from the prophet and continued the work. So we're going to see Elijah a couple more times in January because we're going to look at the story of Elisha then. But today we, we come to this story, which I think is a fitting conclusion in 2 Kings chapter 1, because it really is focused on the judgment of God. Ooh, yeah, I heard him. Ooh. Can we all do that? Ooh. Ooh. The judgment of God, it's, you know, this is a topic, I, I even thought about scrapping this message and doing something a little different today. Because I was like, man, do we need a message on judgment? That doesn't sound fun. A lot of people stereotype preachers and they, they're all about, you know, firing and brimstone and, and preaching that you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I don't like doing that. I can be honest. I, I, I'd rather not talk about some of these subjects, but it's in God's Word. And you know one interesting thing, a lot of people like, I love Jesus, but the judgment and hell and wrath, I don't know about that. But Jesus talked about judgment in hell more than anybody else, because it's a reality that we need to address and we need to understand so we don't have to go there. Right? You guys following me? So that's why we're going to talk about judgment today. So in this series so far, this is our fifth week. We've seen Elijah, this man of God, who God called in a time that was terrible. Things were bad economically. Things were bad religiously, morally in the land. There was a king, King Ahab, who the Bible says was one of the most evil kings to ever live. And that's when Elijah came onto the scene. God called him and told him to talk to Ahab. But before he could confront him, really... God sent him out into the desert in a time of drought. And he went through some major trials, but it was through those trials that Elijah learned to depend on God in the drought. And it's something that we hopefully learn too. That in those difficult times, God is using them to help us grow dependence and strength. And then we saw Elijah actually go and confront Ahab. And he did on the mountaintop. And, and Elijah challenged those people of his day and us to not waver in our faith. To make a decision. You, you, you can't have two gods. You have to only have one. Our God is jealous. He says, you worship me alone. And we we were challenged not to waver back and forth. And then in the third message in this series, uh, Elijah was scared for his life, even though things had gone so well on the mountain. Fire had come down when Elijah called and prayed. But yet he was terrified because he was human just like us. And he went through a period of depression and even saying, God, take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And we learn from that message that even in the depths of emotion, God is there for you. Even in the worst moments of our life, God is there for you. And then uh, when we saw Ahab going through all this stuff and just so evil and evil, and he even stole this man's vineyard. We saw this last week, Naboth. He stole this man's vineyard by having him killed, basically. Uh, Elijah confronted him with a word of prophecy from God, and it was, too, a word of judgment. But Ahab finally repented, and we learned that it's never too late for repentance. No matter how bad someone is, no matter how evil they are, they can always turn and find redemption. And that's such an interesting thing because it now sets us up for today's message because we see someone who doesn't take the chance to repent. The multiple chances, offer after offer, miracle after miracle that this man sees and yet still he rejects God. So in this uh, message today, I I want you to know that that King Ahab died. Finally died. He was out in a battle and he was killed. And then his son Ahaziah becomes And we pick this up actually in the very end of 1 Kings, in verse 51 of chapter 22. We have this up on the screen. It says, Ahaziah, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria, Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he followed the ways of his father and mother. His mother, of course, was Jezebel. He served and worshipped Baal and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. Great. People are finally happy. Finally, that guy's out of office. And then the next one's even worse. That's what happens here. Finally, finally, Ahab is gone. And his son Ahaziah Ahaziah is just as bad and and arouses the anger, the judgment, the wrath of God. So that's where we pick up. And, And in case you're wondering... Originally 1st and 2nd Kings were one book. This is just a little snippet. But because scrolls could only be so long, they'd get too thick, they had to cut it in half. That's why we have 1st and 2nd Kings. There's a little uh, information for you. And that's why I just continued from that chapter, the last chapter in 1st Kings, to the first chapter in 2nd Kings. So we pick it up in verse 2. Ahaziah. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured Himself, so he sent messengers saying to them, "Go and consult Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury." Okay, so Ahaziah has been king now less than two years, not king very long, and he is in his palace on the upper floor doing who knows what. He falls through, falls through, and breaks something. He is injured so badly that he cannot get up. Okay, so I imagine maybe both his legs are broken or or perhaps he had a spinal injury, but he cannot move. He's injured and he has this moment in his life that even though he has been pretty evil, pretty evil in his life, something shook him. And and this happens sometimes in our lives. Some of us become very ill. We have a diagnosis. Something crazy happens in our life. and, And a lot of times it's a spiritual awakening. Right. We have these moments that are so difficult. That it's time, like, oh, God's trying to get our attention. And some of the, that happens. I remember talking with one man and, and sitting with him because he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And this man had rejected God his entire life. He had, he had gone to Vietnam. And when he, because he had to go, he prayed before he had to go. He said, God, if, if you're real, don't let me go to Vietnam. And he had to go. So he rejected God completely for the rest of his life. But then he got this terminal diagnosis and something happened in his heart and he knew that God actually was real. And he accepted Christ as his savior that night. This terminal diagnosis after a year of reje- or years and years, decades, a lifetime of rejecting God, that opened his eyes. For Ahaziah, it didn't. It didn't. You know, this, um, this major event in his life where he can't even move, get off his bed doesn't change him. And in fact, he says, go send messengers, not to God to see if I will ever get better or to pray to God for healing. He says, no, go and consult Baal Zabub. So this is probably a different God than the Baal we saw on Mount Carmel. That was the Baal of Sidon, where Jezebel was from. Baal actually is a word that just means Lord. means Lord in old Canaanite dialect. So whenever you see Baal, there's multiple Baals. So there's the gods, a lot of times, of different cities, different regions. So he's now... Okay, that Baal didn't work on Mount Carmel for my father when they prayed to him and asked for fire to come down. That, that one didn't work, so let's go try a different one. Now, now, this man would have known about God. He would have known that there was one true God because his father, he, he had been around. He had heard from the, the tales that his father told him and said, hey, yeah, there's this Elijah and fire came down from heaven. I repented. Ahab repented of his sins as evil as he was. But yet his son is, no, I don't want anything to do with God. I want to go consult this other God. This other God. And and people do this. People do this today. Even people that are Christians, they they do get sick. They get that cancer. And then they want help. And they're going to Eastern mystics. They're looking for holy water that they can get sprinkled on them. They're going to try to get, you know, chakras. All these different things because they want to get help instead of going to God. So this is what... This man, Ahaziah, does. It says in verse 3, of course, Elijah comes on the seat. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going off to consult baal Zabub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. This angel comes to Elijah and says, Hey, guess what? I got another job for you. Man, Elijah gets thrown into these difficult situations. So now, after all this time going back and forth with uh, Ahaziah's father, now it's time to deal with the son. So Elijah goes to these mes- messengers, stops them, stops them from going to this God, and says, Hey, hey, I got a message for you to give to your king. Is is there no God here? Is is God not real? You're going to this false God, this Philistine God, and you know he's fake. You know he's not real. The Philistines, just so you know, this town of Ekron was a Philistine town. The Philistines had been destroyed for hundreds of years. That's who David defeated. You know, Goliath was a Philistine. Why would you go to a dead people's God? Because... This man, Ahaziah, had rejected the living God. He was going to this dead God to get any way for help instead of going to the one true God. Anything but that. Anything but repentance. Anything but going to the one true God. And Elijah has a word. Well, you're going to die. You're not going to get better. Now, when God gives a word of judgment like this, you see this throughout the Bible. When it says, okay, judgment is coming, there's going to be destruction, you're going to die. There actually is always a chance... For grace and mercy. We saw this with Ahab, didn't we? We saw this with Ahab. God said, okay, everything bad is going to be happen. Your, do- your children are going to be destroyed. Your wife is going to be killed. And-, and the dogs are going to lick your blood. Isn't that pretty crazy? That's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Okay, all this word of judgment. And then Ahab repented and God gave him mercy. God redeemed the situation. You see this in the story of Jonah. I I love Jonah. He goes, he's the best preacher of all time because he goes into this town and says, okay, judgment is and repent. And they all repent. The entire town of Nineveh, thousands of people. I wish I was that good of a preacher. I wish. But that's what he says. And they repent and God removes destruction from the town of Nineveh. He he says, okay, there's going to be mercy for you. So even though there's this word of judgment, there's always a chance for repentance. We learned that last week. It's never too late for repentance. So you think with this message... Now that Elijah has given to the messengers and the messengers now stop in their tracks and go back to King Ahaziah and tell him, Hey, uh, we heard something from this guy. He said, uh, you're going to die. This was a great opportunity to repent. Don't you think? He had this life-altering diagnosis because he fell and broke. all who knows what? That was an opportunity. Did he take it? No. And now he gets this word from God, a personal sermon. Don't you wish you could have an angel come and share a message with you? Some people I know have had messages through another person or through a sermon. And people have even told me this. You know, that word you spoke today was directly for me. And people have repented or changed their life because of something was said through me. And it's, it's not me, obviously. It's, it's God speaking to this person's heart. And that can happen for a lot of people. You hear this message. Maybe some will hear this message today and it will change their life will change their life. Because God gives us those opportunities. Here is the good news. There's bad news if you don't believe, and here's the good news if you do believe. And yet people still reject it, just like Ahaziah did. And that's what he does. He rejects it. And instead, he says, okay, who gave you that message? And the messengers describe this man, and they say, well, he, was, he was, had these garments that were pretty hairy. Okay, this is a weird thing. You, I haven't told you this about Elijah, but he wore some weird clothes. Even for his day, he would probably wore camel skin, which is very hairy. We were at the zoo yesterday, and camels can get pretty hairy. Have you seen them there at the zoo? They're these hairy things. And that's what he wore. So he stood out, even in his day. We don't look back and like, oh yeah, that was part of the fashion. No, no, no. He was bizarre. <laughs> and John the Baptist, the guy who came later, wore probably the same clothes. And he was bizarre too. These guys dressed, the people are like, well, oh, you're so weird. But because he, the, the messengers now describe Elijah, Ahaziah says, I know who you're talking about. He had maybe met Elijah, or he had heard stories from his father about who Elijah was. And he says, I know who it is. It's Elijah. It's Elijah. So this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take 50 soldiers, the best soldiers we have, and I want you to go get Elijah. Now, he wasn't sending 50 soldiers to give him a parade into town to give him this honorary uh, mention. Oh, look how great Elijah is. Let's bring him in. He's such a great man. No, no, no. He sent 50 soldiers there to capture and possibly to kill Elijah. In fact, later we're going to see that Elijah was terrified. It says that. He was terrified because these men came to capture and execute him. So these 50 men come to Elijah and he's up on top of a hill. I don't know if he's praying or he's hanging out, but Elijah's there on top of this hill. And these 50 soldiers come And their commander calls out to Elijah He says, Elijah, the king commands you Come down with us now And Elijah says, okay If I'm a man of God May fire come down from heaven And consume you Fire comes down from heaven And 50 soldiers are torched This is why I was thinking I don't know if I want to share this story People are like, what? That's in the Bible? 50 soldiers, maybe the commander too, that's 51, are just completely burned up. Now, a lot of people stop right there, and I'm going to stop for just a second to address this issue before we get to the meaning of this. Because some of us are like, how could God do that? How could God or Elijah, whoever it is, kill 50 innocent people? Don't we think that? And people just stop right there. They don't want to read the rest of the story. don't even want to know why this story is in the Bible. Because we just say, no, 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 that's just too much. This God seems angry. But there's two things that you have to realize. is One, God knows people's hearts. And two, God does not destroy innocent people. You're assuming they're innocent. But these soldiers came and commanded, this man of God said, the king said, get down here immediately. They were on a mission to kill or capture Elijah. And we're assuming that they were good people. But I don't know if we can make that assumption. And here's why. There's another story back in Genesis where God tells Abraham that, hey, I'm going to destroy this town. I'm going to destroy this town. And Abraham's like, God, please don't destroy it. There might be righteous, innocent people there. God, don't destroy it. And he says, if there's like a hundred people, don't destroy it. And God says, okay, if there's not 100, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham keeps bargaining with God, okay, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10 righteous people, don't destroy it. And God says, okay. And guess what? There weren't 10 righteous people in that town. And on top of that, the very next chapter says that uh, God sent an angel, a few angels, in to get Lot and his family out of that town before he destroyed it. There was less than 10 people in this town. And then God went in there and took out the people that were his. God doesn't destroy people unnecessarily. Okay, So this is us from our 21st century point of view. Oh, they must be innocent soldiers. I don't think so. I really don't think so. God knows people's hearts. So that's just a little side note for you. So that we can keep moving on with our 21st century, smarter than people in the Bible attitude. (laughs) And it says... That the king heard about these 50 soldiers being killed. This miracle that happened. I mean, fire coming down from heaven. And he repented. Wrong. Wrong. He didn't. He didn't at all. He had a miracle happen in his life. It wasn't a very good miracle. But it was something that would get your attention, right? And yet he doesn't change. I've met people who said, If I could just experience a miracle if I could just see an angel if God could just talk to me then I would change and believe in God but I know that that isn't true throughout the Bible there are people that miracles happen to and they don't change I know people personally who have seen incredible things happen in their lives and they still don't turn to God a miracle isn't enough and it wasn't enough for Ahaziah he gets angrier so he sends another 50 soldiers and they go up to Elijah and the commander calls out man of God come down immediately commanding again and Elijah says well if I'm a man of God may fire come down from heaven and consume you and boom, all 50 soldiers are destroyed by flames see why I didn't want to share this story today but they are these 50 soldiers too are destroyed and maybe that second time that second time was enough for Ahaziah to repent but it wasn't again and again he was given opportunities out after out okay okay turn to God now turn to God now and, and he rejects all of that and that's what happens to people I've met these people God has given them opportunity after t- opportunity miracle after miracle they, they remain unscathed in a crazy car accident and, and then someone shoots them I literally met someone who, who was shot and they lived through this armed robbery and yet those people don't turn back to God and I was like man God saved your life and they would even admit yeah I think it was a miracle that I didn't die then why haven't you turned back to God? That's what happens to some people. Again and again and again, they reject God. That's what happens to Ahaziah. He's angry and he sends a third troop of fifty men. He really doesn't want to go to God, does he? But this commander was humbler than the first two commanders, and he went up and bowed down before Elijah. And said, "Please don't hurt me." Basically, please don't. Whatever, please. And he showed him respect. He was humble before Elijah. And God told Elijah, through an angel, you can go with this guy. You don't need to be afraid. So Elijah does go with this soldier. The soldier was like, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to kill him. So so these commanders bring Elijah into Ahaziah, who has had opportunity after opportunity, chance after chance, miracle, sermon, message from God, all these opportunities to repent. And now finally Elijah himself is there. He says the same thing he's been saying the whole time. Verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. Is this any different than the first message? It's identical. Word for word. Verse 17, so he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Whew. It's a pretty dark story, isn't it? This is a tragedy. I mean, there's no other way around it. This man was given opportunity after opportunity, chance after chance to change his ways, to t- turn to God, and he never took any of those outs. He didn't. It's a tragedy. It's sad. And, and, and really, I can see only one point to this story. And that's that judgment awaits those who continually reject God. Judgment is for those people who continually, time after time, opportunity after opportunity, reject God. They have these chances, multiple chances, multiple things happen in their life to get their attention and still they reject God. And those are the people who this judgment, this condemnation of God is for. Do you know Jesus said that that hell wasn't made for humans? He said that hell was prepared for the devil and his demons. And yet, sadly, some people choose to reject God again and again and again. And he says, please. He's pleading with these people. He gives them opportunity after opportunity. Some of you here today have not believed and I'm giving you an opportunity today. Don't miss it. Because it's only the people who reject it again and again and again will receive that judgment. In 2 Peter 3, 9, we learn about God's heart. And it says, the Lord is patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Instead, he wants all people to turn away from their sins. A little glimpse into God's heart. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want to have to pour out his anger on anyone. He wants people to turn to him and find eternal life. It's only the people who reject him again and again and again that this judgment is waiting for. Here's the thing about hell. Here's the thing about judgment. Here's the thing about wrath. Is that people choose it. They choose it. Um, There's this great book called Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl. I I love that title. Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl. Like the world. That's how it feels sometimes. And N.D. Wilson wrote this book. And there's a section in it that he recalls a time when he was in college. And he was having this conversation at a pub during happy hour with a bunch of friends from school. And there was a couple atheist girls there. And then there was this other guy who was a Catholic guy. And he, of course, was a Protestant Christian uh, like us. And, and one of the atheist girls, after they had a couple drinks, turned to the Catholic guy and said, am I going to hell? Do you think I'm going to hell? And he said, yes. And everybody kind of laughed because he was just like that blunt and honest with him. So she turned now to Wilson and said, OK, do you think I'm going to hell? Ever put on the spot with a tough question like that? Because you want to say, "I I like you," I hope you don't. But he just said, "Well, I don't know." And he said, "Don't you want to go to hell?" She was kind of stopped her in her tracks. She was puzzled. She's like, "What?" And he said, "Well, you don't want to believe in God. You know who God is. I've told you, and yet you choose not to believe in Him. So why would you want to go where He is?" There's a point later in the book that he writes this. Go to him or go to hell. Those are the only two choices. Because hell will be wherever he is not. People are given a choice. C.S. Lewis even said, that the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end. The doors of hell are locked on the inside. It's a difficult thought to... to ponder, but it, it's true I, I, I think people choose they, they, I don't want to go with God if you throughout your whole lifetime you don't want to acknowledge God you don't want to worship Him you don't want to repent of your sins and obey anything he says why would you want to go spend eternity with Him so I see as Lewis said the gates of hell are, the doors of hell are locked from the inside and that's the thing about the judgment that we see here with Ahaziah again and again and again He he's given this opportunity to go to God to repent he had seen his father Ahab who was a terrible dude, find redemption. And yet he chose not to do it again and again (coughs) after given so many opportunities. Those are the people who judgment is for. Some of us read this or hear this story maybe for the first time and they're thinking, well, that sounds like the Old Testament God. That's the wrathful God, right? But in the New Testament, we know that God is love. That's what it says. Yes, but it's also the same God. It's also the same God. In fact, in John 3:18. Everybody knows John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world. Well, just 2 verses later, it says, "Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son." 2 verses later after everybody's favorite verse. It's the reality that yes, God loves you. Yes, there's eternal life available. But if you don't believe, you stand condemned. Or, or look at another place in Second Thessalonians 2. This is in the New Testament. When the Lord Jesus comes from heaven for all to see, he will come with burning fire to punish those who don't know God. Those who refuse to accept the good news about our Lord Jesus. It's the same God. It's the same God. And here's the thing. Yes, God is love. He has so much love for us. But the more you love someone, the angrier you can get. If you don't understand wrath, it means you don't understand love. Um, Tim Keller says that the more you love someone, the angrier you can get. Here's the thing that I've realized, and um, this is pointed out by another pastor. I have a daughter now. I love my daughter McKinley. And if you try to hurt her, you will feel my wrath. You will feel my anger, even if it means I'm going to jail. Because I'll start a new ministry on the inside. <laughs> I'm serious. Because I love her so much, I have that much anger for anyone who tries to harm her. Parents even feel angry at your children when they try to harm themselves. Feel anger. You want to protect them. You want to do anything to save them. And that's the love that God has for us. He has wrath for those who try to hurt us. Or for those who try to hurt themselves. He says, stop. Stop. The God of love is the God of anger and wrath. But here's the best part about it, is that mercy triumphs over judgment. And what we learn in the New Testament is the other side of the story. And that's why we have two more points today. But, but first I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Because some people in here will be thinking, Matt, that sounds scary. That, is that judgment for me? Is that wrath for me? But this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, again in the New Testament. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. It says there who the wrath and judgment is for, those who deliberately keep on sinning after they've received the knowledge of the truth. These are the people who have the opportunity and reject and reject and reject. Those are the people who judgment is for. That's what we learned in our passage too. Judgment awaits those who continually reject God. And some of you in here are like, well, Matt, is that me? If you're worried about it, it's probably not. If you're concerned that you could be the first person facing judgment, maybe God is stirring in your heart to believe in him. So that you don't have to face this judgment. Trevin Wax says this. Hell is full of people who think they deserve heaven. Heaven is full of people who know they deserve hell. See, the reality is that all of us deserve judgment. Because all of us have rejected God at one time or another, or multiple times, and sinned against Him when we knew we shouldn't have. And yet, the New Testament comes in, right? Jesus comes into the picture. And that's the amazing thing. And this is a a, a really interesting part. In Luke chapter 9, there's this story, and and we're not going to go into it right now. But in Luke chapter 9, there's this moment where Jesus is going into a Samaritan village. Samaritan village. Remember, King Ahaziah was king in Samaria. In case you get that connection. There, I think there's a very clear connection with this story. And he goes into this village and they reject Jesus. They don't want anything to do with him. They don't welcome him. They don't offer him water or food. They say, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want anything to do with you. So Jesus turns to leave and go to another village on his way to Jerusalem. And his disciples are angry. His disciples have some wrath. How could you reject Jesus? And they say to Jesus... Why don't you call down fire from heaven on this town? Interesting. I think they were remembering this story. they're saying, Elijah called down fire from heaven on those guys. Jesus, you're a prophet. You're greater than Elijah. Call down fire. Come on there, the Samaritans, just like that wicked Ahaziah. And Jesus says, no. He rebukes them. Because it says that right before that story that he had set his eyes towards Jerusalem. He knew that he had something to do. Instead of calling down fire from heaven, he went to Jerusalem where he knew he would be arrested, where he knew he would be betrayed, where he would be given a fake trial, where they would take him and beat him and spit on him and curse at him, and then they would take him and drag him outside the city and execute him for crimes he had not committed, for sins he had never done. And Jesus did that because he took the fire of God's wrath upon himself. Jesus rescues us from the flames by taking them upon himself. He could have called down fire from heaven on that town. He could have called down fire on us. We deserve it. Some people even say that. Well, may God strike me dead. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to take the flames upon myself. I'm going to suffer hell and torment and execution for you so you don't have to. National Geographic, a few years ago, there was a story about a big wildfire in Yellowstone. And there were some park rangers who went um, right after the fire just to see how things were. And one of them went up at the foot of a tree and found this big bird. And it was completely charred. Completely charred to a crisp. So he took his walking stick, this park ranger, and he moved the bird. And as he did so, three little baby chicks came out. You see, when the fire came and it was raging, that bird didn't flee to save her life. She went and put her wings around her children to save them and took the flames so that her kids wouldn't have to. It's the same thing that Jesus did for us on the cross. He knew that the God who is full of love is also full of wrath and anger at sin. And Jesus said, I will stand in the way of all that wrath. I will take all those flames upon myself so no one else has to. If they believe in me. And that's the amazing truth of the gospel. So if you're here today and you're hearing this message of judgment and you're like, I don't want judgment. I don't want hell. I don't want to have to deal with God's wrath. Today is the day. Don't be like Ahaziah. Turn to Christ. Because Jesus will take all the punishment you deserve upon himself. So you never have to face destruction. So that when you die, there's eternal life and paradise awaiting you. That's an amazing word today. And and today you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can repent of your sins and have that eternal life right now. God will be no longer angry with you because Jesus took all that anger upon himself. That's my first point from this. But here's a second one. For all of us, even if we are Christian, we need to show reverence, to choose reverence, for our God is a consuming fire. We worship a God of love gives us joy. But we also need to realize this God is the God that brings fire and judgment. And it's solely out of his mercy that we even can stand in his presence. That's the God we worship. That's the God of the Old Testament and the New. There's this great um, scene in the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've read the book or or seen the movies, in the first one, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the kids, the, f- the four kids, are, are learning about Aslan, this lion. And, of course, Aslan is the Christ figure in those stories. And they first learn that Aslan, and they've heard this name over and over again, they learn that Aslan is a lion. And Susan says to the beaver, there's talk, talking animals in that book, says to the beaver, lion, and then she asks, is he quite safe? Is he safe? And the beaver, Mr. Beaver, uh, turns to her and says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's our God. He is a lion. But he's also the lamb. He's the God who has wrath and anger. But he's also the God who gives us mercy and gave his own son so that you wouldn't have to face that. So as we worship God here in this last time, I want us to come approach God with reverence. We should have the fear of God. That's what it's talking about in the Bible because our God is that powerful, that strong and it's only by his mercy that we stand. And that reference is something good for us to have. So, for the people here, um, for the people here who have never accepted Christ, I want you to take this opportunity to do that, to repent of your sins and find salvation and have eternal life. So you never have to face judgment. I want you to take that opportunity to say a prayer, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. And for the rest of us, I want to close with with Hebrews chapter 12. It's Thanksgiving, right? It says, Let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord God, we come to you knowing that we shouldn't be able to come to you. That we have all sinned and fall short of your glory. That we deserve judgment and yet you give us mercy instead. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to finish this story so it doesn't have to end in tragedy. So we don't have to be like Ahaziah. Lord, thank you for sending your son to take the flames on our behalf. Now with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here and, and you say, Matt, I don't want to face judgment. I don't want to face wrath. Today is the first time, I, for the first time I'm going to accept Jesus. If, if that's you, would you just please raise your hand? If you're ready. I'm just going to say a prayer. And, and I want everybody to say this prayer along with me. So just say this, even whether it's your first time or you've said this before. Let's all pray together as, with one voice. Lord God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I have rejected You. And today I accept You. I ask that You would forgive me of my sins and help me to live a life following You. Lord, please give me the gift of eternal life. Thank You. Amen.